You are now entering. The One Piece Welcome to the One Piece Zone. Hello, I'm Alex. I'm your navigator here and host of this podcast, The One Piece Zone. In this podcast, I'm taking you through the 1008 chapter, 95 volume, One Piece manga series, volume by volume. Last time we covered volume two, Buggy the Clown, and and this time we're talking about uh, volume three, Don't Get Fooled Again. Without further ado, let's get into it with the chapter overview. So first up, chapter 18, The Pirate, Buggy the Clown. So, you know, this is it. We're here. Uh, Luffy and Buggy uh, finally fight. You know, it's you get some back and forth here. It's lots of them dodging each other's blows with devil fruit powers. Oda has kind of a reputation as like a middling at best um, fight manga guy. You know, um, he this changes as the series goes along, but especially in these early ones, um, you know, we see here there's a lot of comedy um, and not a lot of, you know, intense manga battle. Um, but the the important thing is the way that he builds up the characters and the storyline. So you're really invested uh, in the battle, whether or not um, the, the execution is perfect. It's less important because, you know, the important thing is that you care about about the fight and who wins. Um, and I think, you know, you can you can kind of go one way or the other you know this is an early volume um i think he did a great job building up luffy's motivation um i think buggy is a well-developed character at this point so it's it's an interesting concept but you know as far as the fight actually goes buggy and luffy's power sets don't lend themselves to a super like active confrontation it is just a lot of kind of dodging and going back and forth um and that's and that's what most of this first chapter is the the big turning point um buggy uh realizes that luffy is obsessed with the hat uh and he he goes after it stabs it um and luffy freaks out and finally is able to land a blow on buggy um buggy does this trick where he pops his head off to dodge luffy's clotheslines this time after after buggy damages the hat he tries to go for that and and luffy just fucking hits him in the gut as hard as he can um and and doubles him over in here somewhere buggy realizes that the straw hat is actually shanks's hat and he confirms that he knows red-haired shanks personally um in fact he ends the chapter saying uh, shanks stole a great treasure from me and i'll never forgive him or something along those lines um no new characters this volume so chapter 19 devil fruit um, so this one opens with the townspeople. Uh, they're debating whether or not to come rescue the mayor since they know he's been gone a while. They're really worried that something's happened to him with the pirates in town. Uh, and the one guy, the leader, who, or the leader that's left since the mayor is gone, um, decides to go and he tells says he'll go alone. But then the entire town says, fuck that. We're coming to. We love the town. We love the mayor. We're going to go save him. Going back to the fight, um, Buggy tells the story of how Shanks um, stole a great treasure from him. So he reveals that they were crewmates on the same pirate ship as kids or like, you know, teens, I guess. They are they're they're incredibly cute. Little Buggy and Shanks. It's the, the art is really great. 
Um, you know, Buggy still has the makeup on, but he's obviously less decked out. So it's funny to see his very elaborate face paint, but in a crew outfit instead of a captain outfit. Um, so the story here is, you know, the, it, the flashback opens with them fighting over whether the North Pole or the South Pole is co- uh, colder. You know, it, it really kind of makes them both out to be um, Luffy style goofballs. Um, just buggy slightly more greedy and and shanks slightly more tough and noble uh which is which is interesting you know like we've we've already seen um that shanks is kind of the the i guess even father figure inspiration for luffy wanting to be a pirate and and now buggy is kind of the like maybe like the eviler version of what luffy could turn out to be you know very goofy um kind of dumb but but still tough um you know you kind of got kind of get like evil and good futures with with shanks and and buggy um so this pirate ship um there's a raid and in battle depicted in these in this flashback and during that raid they get a devil fruit and the captain of the ship who is not revealed uh, the captain says, whoever wants it can eat it. Because, uh, you know, the devil fruit gives you powers, but you won't be able to swim again. So it's a big thing. It's like, so he's like, hey, you know, if somebody wants it, go for it. Um, Buggy's not really interested, but then he hears that it's worth a lot of money. And so he gets this plan and schemes to pretend to eat it. He gets somehow makes a fake devil fruit that he eats instead and just goes, oh, I guess it was a dud, whatever. Um and then he'll steal it and sell it later because it's worth a bazillion berries or whatever. Um, but then uh, the bit later is that Buggy's got his treasure map in one hand. He's got the devil fruit in the other. And Shanks walks over. And Buggy's like, oh, shit, he can't see the devil fruit. And so he shoves the devil fruit in his mouth so Shanks can't see it. Uh, and Shanks is like, huh, weird, okay, and walks away. And Buggy's like, whew. And then Shanks comes back again and scares Buggy. And Buggy swallows the devil fruit whole. Uh, and is so confused that he lets the map go and the map flies into the sea. And so Buggy dives in after it, but then he can't swim because he just ate the devil fruit. Uh, And so Shanks has to jump in and rescue him. And um, (laughs) that's how the flashback ends. And the moral of the story in Buggy's mind is uh, Shanks stole the the devil fruit by by surprising him, causing him to eat it by accident. Very funny that Buggy tells his like tragic flashback and it just shows that Buggy's a greedy idiot and Shanks is a good dude. I love it. It's very true to character and shows a clever way of of subverting the the use of flashbacks because, you know, flashbacks are it actually shows that flashbacks are to the characters they're subjective, but in the world they are uh true. This is not like when when a character tells a flashback, they are not just telling it. They are sort of telling it from their point of view, but they're also what we, the readers, see is kind of we can assume mostly. I don't know. And I don't know if if um, Oda changes this later, but it's we can believe it's true, even if the character is interpreting it wildly differently than a normal person would like us or like, you know, how Luffy reacts when he hears the story. um, We can assume that that the, the material is trustworthy, even if the person telling the story isn't. Um, so anyway, 
After he finishes telling the story, Buggy realizes that Nami is trying to escape with his treasure. Um, she's been doing that in the background um, during the first two chapters. He fires his torso, head, and arms with knives in hand up in the air and goes after Nami like a rocket. Uh, so that's the end of this chapter. The new characters we met this chapter, um, there are two of them. They're both in the flashback. Their names are not revealed in this flashback, but have been revealed either later in the story or through um, books or something. Like the one guy, I have no idea where his name got revealed. Um, must happen later eventually. But his name, uh, there's one guy who has two axes who you can see briefly in, in the um, in the battle scene. His name is Scopper Gaban. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Apologies if not. Or Scooper Gabin, maybe? Scopper or Scooper? I don't know. But uh, he's got axes. He was a member of that crew. And then um, the other guy is Silver's Rayleigh. Uh, or Raleigh. Silver's Raleigh, maybe? Anyway. Uh, we can remember that name. That's an important name. And I'm not giving you any spoilers, but uh, that guy is going to come back later. As you can see, if you check the zine, you will see he's labored as a major character. Makes you wonder, uh, what who's what pirate crew were, were these guys on together, huh? Very interesting. Anyway, chapter 20, The Way of the Thief. Um, so, Buggy's attack on Nami is foiled by uh, Luffy tracking down Buggy's lower half, which is still on the ground, and kicking him in the uh, Gene Simmons family jewels. Um... After that, Luffy tells Nami, like, look, just drop the treasure and run away so you can escape and Buggy will leave you alone. And Nami's like, no, fuck you. This is my treasure. I stole it, so it's rightfully mine. Um, and Buggy says something like, um, you, it's not, you didn't steal it until you got away with it. It's still mine or something. It's very goofy. Um, Buggy unleashes his super move, Chop Chop Festival. Uh, so, like, every... Like, part of his body, including, like, little bits of his arm and torso and shit, uh, all split apart. And they're all going to... They're swarming in the air, and and, and they go to, t to ram Nami. Um, but Luffy realizes that Buggy's feet are still on the ground. So I guess that's, like, a, a weakness of his Buggy's power is that he can shoot all his body parts all around, but he's always got to have something touching the ground. And so... Luffy grabs Buggy's feet and they have some very goofy sequences where he's tickling him and he's like pulling on the toes and like ripping his skin and stuff. And Buggy's like, he can see his face freaking out as he's trying to grab Nami. Uh, then Nami whips Buggy's head with the big treasure bag, but he just grabs it and then he's got a knife sneaking around to stab her. Um, but Luffy charges in and wham uh, smashes his head with a big kick. Um, so... They get the map of the Grand Line, and when Buggy is, like, trying to reassemble himself to get back together, um, Nami has grabbed his torso and all his bits and tied them together with a rope, like a bundle of firewood. And so when he reassembles, he's just a little guy. He's a head, feet, and hands all, like, together, like he's, like, a little tiny man, like a Funko Pop, basically. Uh... And Buggy sends the little, little Buggy, or Luffy sends little Buggy flying with his gum gum bazooka to end the chapter. Uh, no new characters. So, uh, chapter 21, Townies. Uh, so they did it. They, they beat Buggy. Buggy's gone. Buggy's crew is like pretending to be, they like look out for a second, they're like, oh fuck. And they pretend to be dead and just lie there. Um, Nami agrees to join the crew uh, for the time being. That's going to be important. 
Um, Zolo is fine, <laughs> despite like all of his stab and like cut wounds. He's just like, ah, that was a nice little rest. I feel better now. Um, the townsfolk show up. They see the mayor is hurt. Um, Nami is about to try and explain what happened, how they're the good guys. But instead, Luffy's like, uh, I knocked out the mayor and we're pirates. And all the townsfolk flip out and chase them and they have to run for it. Um, <laughs> classic Luffy stuff. Um, Choo Choo blocks a, a street as after the, the kids get away. So... Um, all the, the townspeople can't chase after them. They're like, why are you protecting these pirates, Choo-Choo? Um, they, they commandeer the small buggy pirate ship that Nami stole. Um, they're beginning of the buggy storyline in the very end of Volume 1, if you guys can remember that far back. When the mayor wakes up, um, he runs to the dock as fast as possible because he realizes the, the townspeople tell him that they've gone. Um, and he manages to get to the dock before they've totally disappeared into the distance. And he yells, thank you. It's great. Uh, it's kind of like this is going to be a familiar thing. You know, when the crew leaves a big thing, they get a big send off. Um, usually some combination of being chased out of town and getting a big hearty thank you um, as they sail away. And that's kind of the iconic One Piece thing. You know, they did it at the end of Volume 1. Um, we didn't get to it in Volume 2, but here we are at the end of the buggy storyline. Volume 3. Beautiful. Uh, no new characters this, this chapter. So, uh, Chapter 22 strange creatures so the the kind of chapter opens with them at sea together they got uh zolo's little rowboat or yeah zolo's little rowboat and um the the buggy the little buggy ship um kind of like they got them strapped together they're kind of going off nami has sewn up the holes that buggy cut in luffy's straw hat shanks's hat um she gives him a bit of grief about you know going out to sea without food and water supplies uh knowing how to navigate any like being able to do anything except fight um and the boys immediately prove her right by plotting a course for a random deserted island as she yells at them not to do that um the island turns out to be inhabited by weird hybrid animals um i'll explain them briefly in at the end when i talk about the new characters because they count as characters but just check the zine if you want to see what they look like they're fun um Nami and Luffy go off exploring while Zolo uh, just takes a nap because he's still, you know, tired from getting cut open and stuff. And sleep is how you heal, just like in video games. They get warned to leave the island by a mysterious, invisible island guardian. And when they don't take his advice, uh, Luffy gets shot, which, of course, just, you know, sinks into his rubber skin and ricochets off. They discover the shooter is the the island guardian, um, is a dude named Gamon, who, uh, or Gaiman, like Neil Gaiman, but with uh, an O instead of an A in the back part of his name. He's just a guy whose body is stuck in a treasure chest. And so he's got a big afro and a beard because he's been trapped on this deserted island. Uh, and he's got his feet sticking out the bottom of the chest. And he's the head, a chest, treasure chest, and legs. So he reveals that he's been on the island for 20 years. He was a pirate. Um, and in this, we get a conversation about... Um, that Luffy shows him the map of the Grand Line, and he's like, I don't know how to read a map. And Luffy's like, I don't either. And then Nami, like, rolls her eyes and then gives him a geography lesson, which we'll be covering later because it's very exciting. Um, we get our reveal of the One Piece map of the world. Gamon tells them that he's seen crews that return from the Grand Line. They return broken men, practically zombies. So, you know, the Grand Line is a place of horror, the pirate's graveyard. So they're really building up the, the terror of the Grand Line, and it's sick as hell. Um, 
game on, you know, after Luffy tells him how confident he is, how he's not afraid, he's going to find the one piece even though no one's ever done it, um, game on, tells him his backstory. So he showed up here with his pirate crew. He was not the captain. He was just a guy uh, 20 years ago. They had a map that led to treasure on this this deserted island. Um, they looked around for a while. They couldn't find it, and they were giving up. Um, just as everybody was about to leave, Gamon climbed up a tall cliff on the island, and he got to the top, just kind of like getting, just like doing a, a a lift to just barely peek over the top and saw um, treasure chests up there. But then he lost his foothold and fell and was knocked unconscious. Um, he woke up, everybody was gone, and he had fallen into the treasure chest and was stuck and couldn't get out. He's been there ever since. So Luffy and Nami agree to help Gamon. Um, they're gonna. They find the cliff where he fell off, and Luffy shoots himself up there with his rubber powers. When he gets to the top, he refuses to throw down the treasure chest, and Nami gets mad. She figures Luffy's just fucking around, but uh, Gamon starts crying um, because he's realized Luffy won't throw down the chests because they're empty. So this is actually kind of a cool another example of. Um, the Luffy, uh, Luffy does something mean and won't explain why, and then eventually it's revealed he was doing it for a sort of good reason. This is actually kind of a good one of those, uh, I think, anyway, because the person, because there isn't like the confusion, you know. I think the thing that's always strikes me the wrong way about it is that it's like the other person gets confused and Luffy won't explain, and it's like Luffy just explain it'll be easier. But in this case, Game On immediately understands that Luffy's just trying to spare him his realizing his dream has been for nothing this whole time and i think that's a good use of this i don't want to call it i mean it's a one piece trope but it's not really a trope in any other sense but anyway uh yeah so that happens um luffy invites gaiman to join the crew but he refuses the island is home he's going to stay there and protect the rare animals that are his friends uh, from poachers game on and the animals wave goodbye as the crew sails away our new characters uh, this time around are mostly animals. There's Kokox, who is a fox slash rooster. There is Usage Hebe, who is a rabbit slash snake. I assume Hebe is Japanese for snake, because I know Usagi is rabbit from Usagi Ujimbo, which is about a rabbit samurai. Good comic book. Check it out. Uh, and then Lion Buta, who is a lion slash pig. Again, you can see all of these guys in their art. I mean, obviously by Googling them, but also with the zine, which you can find in the description, a link to it in the description of, of this podcast. And then finally, Game On, of course, is the guy trapped in the chest, the guy the whole uh, chapter is about. So we're on to chapter 23 now, the Dread Captain Usopp. So we've started here, this new chapter, and a brand new big storyline. Um, so we start on the sea with Nami correctly pointing out that they need to get a real ship and more crew members if they're going to make it to the Grand Line, uh, let alone survive there. So they decide, at Nami's direction, to set out for an island with a small village um, nearby that might have a lead on a ship. We are introduced to Usopp, who is a, a kid, or a, a teen, I guess, a village youth. Um, he uh, starts his day by running through town, yelling at the top of his lungs that pirates are coming. Gets a mix of reactions from the villagers. A few people being like, oh, I guess it's that time of day. Here comes Usopp. And a bunch of people getting mad at him. Uh, of course, uh, it turns out he is lying. And a bunch of villagers chasing through town, throw pots and pans at him. Real uh, boy who cried wolf situation going on here. 
Usopp uh, then is greeted by uh, some children who are his crew members, apparently. Um, they are Carrot and Pepper. Um, and then a third one runs up named Onion, yelling, also yelling that pirates are coming. Um, and it was like, you're lying, obviously. But then turns out Onion is not lying. Um, there really are pirates. And Usopp tries to fake being sick to get out of it because, as we'll learn, he is a coward. Um, but... He is goaded into going to protect the village from pirates, um, and he does so. Of course, uh, the pirates are Luffy, Zolo, and Nami, and they do a little banter with Usopp, where Usopp um, pretends to have a big army, and then is that is obviously a lie. Uh, and Very quickly, though, he realizes they're not really dangerous, and he takes them to a local joint for lunch. During the lunch, um, Usopp mentions there's a big mansion in town that might have a lead on a pirate ship for them because the person that owns it is quite rich. Um, we we see in the very final frames of the chapter, we see a girl at this mansion um, telling her a, a guy who is a butler um, that she wants to see Usopp. New characters introduced to this chapter are Usopp, um, going to be a big guy, Let's keep an eye on him. Ungin, the, the, the Usopp's kid crew member who uh, runs in screaming about pirates. Carrot, um, distinguished by the skull on his hat. Pepper, the kid distinguished by the skull on his shirt. Uh, Mornin is a background character who is just a guy when Usopp comes, yelling, comes through yelling about pirates. He's the guy who's like, well, Usopp's here. Time to go to work. He's as Usopp as his like uh, time to go to work clock. Um, the butler that I mentioned there right at the end, his name is Clahador, and he has another name that we will learn later. Um, and then Kaya is the girl who lives at the mansion. Chapter 24, The Lie Rejector. So uh, Usopp's kid crew goes to the restaurant. Um, they're worried that Usopp has been eaten for some reason, um, that they... They do some good bits about that. Uh, but then when that's all wrapped up, they chat with Luffy and everybody. And they're like, Usopp went off. We don't know where he went. And the kids are like, oh, Usopp's gone to the, see the girl in the mansion and lie to her. And they're and Luffy and them are like, oh, well, that seems bad. And they're like, no, it's good, actually. So um, then we go to, to Kaya, the girl at the mansion, talking to Clahador, her butler, Um she had just asked if she to see Usopp and the butler's like no he's a bad influence he's a bad egg he's a liar you don't want to see him uh, and then after Clahador leaves Usopp has snuck into the yard and climbed a tree to Kaya's window and he starts telling her um, stories of made up you know like obviously like tall tales of adventure um, he tells one about a, a giant goldfish he fought and ate um, it's cute um Luffy uh, decides that they're going to ask Kaya to give them a ship. Um, so they go up to the mansion. They get spotted hopping the gate into the mansion's grounds. Uh, apparently the guards are like on lunch or something. And so Clahador goes down to yell at them. And then he sees Usopp, who he gets even more mad because, you know, he does. He hates Usopp. Um, so he tells everybody to leave. And then he starts insulting Usopp's father, who apparently was a dirty pirate. Um Kaya tells Clahador to stop, but he just keeps going and like, di like, like being really rude to Usopp and 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 insulting his father until Usopp flips out and decks Clahador and he screams that he's proud his father was a pirate, and that's the end of the chapter. 
um, new character of this volume. Um, he barely shows up in this, or new character in this chapter, sorry. Um, he barely shows up in this entire volume, but in this chapter we do get a brief glimpse of Mary, who is a dude who looks like a sheep. Uh, he's just got like weird hair and ears. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he'll he'll play a bit more role late towards the end of this this little story. So by this little story. By this little story, I mean um, the the storyline on this island with Usopp and Kaya and, and Clahador, which which will take another volume and a half after this one. So, chapter 25, Lies. Uh, Clahador refuses to strike back against Usopp, but just keeps, like, bad-mouthing him. Usopp goes to hit him again, but Kaya tells Asim not to, says, you know... He's a good person. He's just out of line. Please stop. I don't want to see violence. Um, Clahador tells Usopp to leave and never come back. Usopp's like, all right, I will. I will never come back. Fuck you. Um, and Kai is sad. And the Luffy is like really mad and on Usopp's side. It's funny. Um, later, Clahador brings Kaya some food, but she refuses to eat. He apologizes, but says he's just trying to protect her. He like doesn't think Usopp's a good influence. You know, he owes everything to Kaya's now dead parents um, for bringing him into their home and employing him when he was he was a starving, stranded sailor who was who thought he was going to die in a ditch. And they and they gave him a job and took care of him. So he yeah, he loves Kaya and he just wants to see the best for her. Um, Luffy um, goes off after Usopp, who's gone to like a cliff overlooking a beach, which is a place where he likes to think, apparently. Um Nami, Zolo, and the kids in Usopp's uh, crew um, see a strange dude walking backwards. He introduces himself as your typical traveling hypnotist, Django. And he, after some prodding, he and, and saying he wouldn't demonstrate his hypnosis, he does it anyway and uh, manages to put the kids to sleep with his hypnosis, but then also puts himself to sleep. Over at the cliff overlooking the beach, Luffy finds Usopp and tells him that he knew Usopp's father, Yasop. Yasop was a member of Shanks' crew. Usopp kind of flips out here, which is our first clue that Shanks is not just like a pirate, but he is actually a important, famous pirate that like normal people have heard of and are scared of. Um, so that's interesting. Um, Luffy has a little flashback over his memories of Yasop growing up. Um, we learn Yasop was an expert sniper, and you see him talking about how much he loves his son Usopp, but he and it hurts him to be away from him. But the call of the pirate flag was too strong, uh, which is, you know, I don't want to uh, give strong opinions here about uh, whether that's good parenting or, or good logic or not. But Usopp seems proud of his dad anyway, and you know, um, yeah, I'll just leave that at that. Uh, all right. So then the chapter ends with Usopp and Luffy noticing Clahador the butler down on the beach talking to the hypnotist Django that we just met, and saying they want they're they're planning to murder Kaya. What the heck? Uh, that's the end of the chapter. Um, the new character we met this time, of course, is Django the hypnotist. So uh, he's going to be around the next few chapters. Chapter 26, Captain Kuro's Plan. It is revealed that Clahador is actually infamous pirate genius Captain Kuro of the Black Cat Pirates. 
good shit. He faked his own execution at the hands of the Marines somehow and quit piracy, leaving Django the first mate to, to be the captain in his absence and come back to the island in three years um, to, to let loose his secret plan. The plan is for pirates to invade the island, um, capture the mansion, have Django hypnotize Kaya to write a will saying Clawador, the butler, inherits everything. Um, and then Kaya has a little accident and dies. This The reason for this plan to do this instead of just, you know, like take the money by force is that this way Kuro will legitimately, air quotes, legitimately get the fortune um, because, you know, everyone's seen him be the butler for years. Um, they It makes perfect sense that she would leave her money to him because they have a good relationship. He's loyal, et cetera, et cetera. And this way, um, Kuro can get the money without having the Navy chase after him, which he hated. He was sick of it as a pirate, having the Navy chasing him. Uh, Usopp and Luffy hear all of this, and Usopp is freaking out, trying to figure out how to stop them and get away without being noticed. And Luffy just stands up and yells at Kuro and Django, telling them not to kill Kai, and that he and Usopp know everything. Uh, Django immediately starts to hypnotize them. Usopp averts his eyes, but Luffy, uh, because he's an idiot, does not. He falls off the cliff and lands directly on his head. Of course, Django also falls asleep because that's how dumb his hypnotism is. Um, you know, Luffy land, falls like probably I don't know, 20, 30 feet, lands directly on his head. They reasonably assume that Luffy is dead, as you know, you might assume. Um, Kuro says, we're not going to bother doing anything to you, Usopp, because no one will believe you. Because he's the boy who cried pirate. Or he, I don't think Clodder literally or Kuro literally says that, but... Um, you know what I mean. It turns out he's right. Usopp goes to warn the villagers, but they just get annoyed with him for bothering them twice in one day, as opposed to his usual once in the morning. Um, and they're just like, they literally just say, hey, look, maybe if you were reliable, we'd believe you, but you lie to us every single day. We're not, we don't believe you. Which is just f funny that they would say it in those stark terms instead of just being like, fuck off or whatever. Um, but anyway. The chapter ends with Kuro returning to his pirate ship for the first time in three years and then telling them that the wait is over. It's finally time to attack. Um, no new characters this chapter. Okay, so with that um, chapter review out of the way, let's get into the, um, the segments. So first up, we have the 8 Million Berry Bounty Award for Best Chapter. Um, the winner this time around is chapter 19, Devil Fruit. So this is the chapter, of course, with the big flashback where um, Buggy the Clown talks about his his background on being on a pirate ship and a pirate crew with red-haired shanks. Um, uh, I think it's a really entertaining chapter. We get some you know cool pirate action, which this is funnily enough, this series doesn't even have that much of because you know you know they don't even have a ship yet. They're not really a crew. So we get to see some some you know some real pirates, which is fun, um, and of course we see young Shanks and young Buggy, and it adds some real dimensionality to their characters, uh, which is it's just great, very effective in my opinion. Uh, the runner-ups for best chapter were chapter twenty-two, Strange Creatures, um, which is a little one-off game on chapter. Uh, I don't know if it really deserves to be a runner-up or not, but it's a runner-up. Who cares? And um, if you've seen on my main Twitter. 
um, Ishiro Oda said that Game On is his favorite character he's ever created, so I couldn't not give him runner-up here. Uh, and then Chapter 26, Captain Kuro's plan, where we finally see the evil uh, Clahador's real identity, Kuro. We get some cool, like, scheming and stuff. I, I Yeah, I found that entertaining chapter, for sure. And also, it's like, you know, something is happening after we get this kind of big dry period between the end of the buggy fight and the entire rest of the volume which is a lot of kind of uh, the weird one-off stuff with game on the wrap-up of the the buggy storyline um, just with the send-off and then uh, just you know setting up this this next storyline it's I'm not saying it's bad I think a lot of it is good building but you know I'm just let's let's see some let's have something happen and so that's this is the exciting thing at the end of the chapter so I'm I'm excited to get into the the consequences of that in volume four. So next up, we're going to talk about dreams, uh, dreams. That's, you know, the ongoing, uh, motif that, that Oda loves to return to. These characters have dreams. That's what, why they do what they do. That's their motivation to fulfill their dreams. Everybody has one. And this is the segment where we talk about what dreams were discussed in this volume. So again, uh, not a lot of dreams this volume, unfortunately, but, we got a couple. Um, Luffy mentions looking for the One Piece. So he doesn't literally say, I'm going to be the King of the Pirates, but he mentions the One Piece uh, to Gaiman, which inspires Gaiman to reveal his uh, hope, which I'm going to translate to dream just for our purposes, um, was to get the treasure chests that were hidden on the island that he knew were on top of that rock. And then it turned out that they were empty, um, which is like interesting. So this is you know, Oda using this kind of one-off chapter to show an example of a dream that will never be fulfilled, um, which is really interesting given the series's eventual focus on dreams, that we get this example early on that, like, you know, sometimes your dream dies. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Um, and, and, of course, the important thing is that Gaiman, um, he doesn't, like, give up or, like, radically change after he his dream turns out to be nothing. He... Decides that actually, you know, he was happy where he was. And that, you know, what would he have done if he got the treasure? He Would he have left the island? You know? Maybe the real dream was inside him all along. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. So that was cool. Um, from dreams, let's move along to flashbacks. The flashback corner. Uh, well, hold on. We're going to do another corner in a minute. So this is the flashback zone. Sure. Um... So there are a couple minor flashbacks in this chapter um, that are have their own merits. Um, Gaiman's flashback to getting stuck in the treasure chest. Luffy's flashback memories of Yasop when he's talking to Usopp at the end of the end of the volume. But we're gonna hit on the big one here, the winner of my eight million berry bounty award for best chapter. Um, Buggy's big flashback. So, like I mentioned in the best chapter segment. This is a really good flashback. Um, you get some cool pirate action. You add a lot of context and character to Buggy and Shanks. Like all that stuff I talked about at the top with, um, you know, Buggy and Shanks being a lot like Luffy in personality, just kind of like um, like dumb kids, squabbling kids um, with goals, you know, like and being like kind of a die staff, good, bad fates where Luffy could end up. You know, especially considering that Luffy, much like Buggy, has a devil fruit power that's kind of goofy. You know, like the chop chop fruit is 
you know, not so different than the gum gum fruit. Uh, I mean, you know, where they end up later in the volume or later in the, the story is very different. I guess spoilers, but, you know, I'm sure you imagine that Luffy will continue to get stronger. Um, but it not, but it's it's not inherently stronger. It happened because Luffy chose that path and that maybe Buggy could have chosen that path if he was a different kind of person. Um, or he chose to be a different kind of person. Anyway, so that's what I like about this flashback. Um, however, <laughs> these flashbacks traditionally have been graded on heartstring pulls. And the whole joke of the flashback is that Bucky thinks it's a great tragedy and everyone else goes, what the fuck are you talking about, you idiot? Um, so zero heartstring pulls out of 10,000. Sorry, Buggy. I have no sympathy for you, my friend. Um, next up is the faction corner. Um, so we're, I'm going to touch on all the factions that showed up this volume. We had a few different ones. Couple new ones, couple old ones. So, first up is the Buggy the Clown Pirates, of course. Buggy gets his ass kicked uh, in the first couple, first two or three chapters of this volume. Or uh, yeah, this volume. Uh, and yeah, that's all there's to it. We're not going to see them for a little bit. Um, they will return. Spoilers. Um, and we're going to get some really great um, uh, little stories with them in the the uh, chapter title pages which that's a thing that's gonna hasn't started happening yet but soon i think soon that's gonna start happening where oda likes to tell these little stories about former um former villains in the chapter title pages you'll get these little stories one page at a time one page ever at the and the title page of every chapter it's fun um and and it often pays off to those characters reappearing in the story um, with the new whatever's happened to them in these chapter titles being important. So look forward to that with the Buggy the Clown Pirates. Um, the next up are the question mark, question mark, question mark pirates. The pirate crew that Buggy and Shanks were on. I'm not telling you shit. Uh, they're going to be important. Maybe you can guess who they are, but yeah, I'm not telling you. And don't look it up either. Don't spoil yourself. It'll be way more impactful if you learn the, the the way that Oda intended. Gosh darn it. No, th I mean, theorycraft, but don't Google it because you'll find out right away if you Google it. Anyway, the red-haired pirates. Uh, we see a little bit of Shanks' crew um, right at the end in the flashback with Yasop. Um, Yasop, you know, he's a named character in the Shanks pirate crew. We've only got a few of those. Most of them have not. I don't even know if, if the two... Uh, Lucky Rue and uh, the guy with the gun, whose name I can't even remember. I don't know if they were even named in the comic yet at this point. So Yasop might be the second name we learned in the members of the of the the red haired pirates explicitly in the text. Like I'm Lucky Rue, probably his name probably showed up somewhere in like X back matter or in an interview or something before this chapter dropped in real life, but. Um, yeah, in the, in the text, Yasop, you know, we have a new named crew member in the Red Heart Pirates. And finally, the Black Cat Pirates, who we've met Kuro, we've met Django, the first mate. I, I don't know if he's been officially revealed as the first mate, but, you know, there you go. And uh, we saw, you know, little gleaming eyes at the very end of the, the Black Cat Pirates themselves, who, who will appear in full force in Volume 4. Moving right along to... The Oda's Guys and Gals Award for Best Character. 
So our winner of the Best Character Award, kind of a weak field this this volume, if I'm being honest. No, uh, you know, they kind of got the end of the last mini arc and the start of the new mini arc and a weird one-off in the middle. So nobody had a singularly strong showing, in my opinion. I'm going to name Buggy slash Young Buggy the winner, um, just because Buggy the Clown is just a very entertaining character. I think the, the two chapters where he was doing stuff uh, three chapters where he was doing stuff at the beginning here were some of the best of the obviously I gave 19 the best of the whole volume so yeah buggy finally you know he shone a lot in volume two I'm gonna give him the the crown in volume three even though he probably had more stuff to do and was more entertaining in volume two but that's the way the cookie crumbles our runners up this time are uh, Gamon, probably just singularly because he is owed his favorite character he's ever created which is just very funny to me um and nami who um you know has a few a few highlights here she gets to give her monologue explaining how the work like the geography of the world which i'm excited to talk about in a couple segments um she just gets to be a lot of personality she gets to tell the boys like you guys are fucking idiots you don't know anything she is the competent one at anything other than fighting and you know maybe she's not a great fighter right now or she hasn't shown herself to be but she'll get there eventually um and yeah, so so props Nami, runner-up. And now it's time for Oda's Beautiful Beasts. So this time I'm giving the Best Beast Award to Kakox, who is a fox slash rooster. Um, it could have been any of the three um, weird animals from Gaiman's Island, but uh, yeah, I like the fox slash rooster. I think he's funny looking. Not a strong beast, um, beast chapter, beast volume this time around. I'm, in fact, actually, the next one, I'm kind of worried we may have to skip this segment entirely. But if there's even one animal in that next volume, I swear to God, you will fucking, this segment will still exist. Okay. Uh, lore corner. Lore, lore time. Lore and world building time, babies. Let's go. Here are the three things this time around. One of the three being much more important than the other two. Uh, one, we learned that Shanks' crew is a big deal in this world. That's Usopp's reaction when he finds out his dad is on Shanks's crew is kind of crazy. And we see Luffy kind of going, uh, okay. Like, it's, and we, the readers, I feel like are in the same boat where we and Luffy do not understand how important Shanks is. Um, but, but Usopp is like, holy shit, that's, that's a big deal. Shanks is a famous pirate. Uh, and sooner or later, we will maybe get a little more context for how important Shanks is in this world. And I'm excited to get there. Um, point number two of lore will building buggy and shanks we're on the same crew together as kids that's very cool um what crew were they on don't google it uh and finally um let's talk about the world map i'm very excited to dig into this so the world of one piece is divided into is is two oceans divided by a strip of land called the red line which is like the main main the mainland of this world as as i understand it it's really an ocean and island based world as you might come up with you know if say you grew up in a a country um that is just a, a chain of islands uh, like japan you know so it's you get one big strip of land you have an ocean on either side but then that strip of land is cut through the middle by a sea route um and goes around the entire world. And that sea route is the Grand Line. So it kind of makes a big X between um, this strip of land that goes around the whole world 
and the Grand Line that goes around the whole world in the opposite direction. It's kind of like the, the equator and the prime meridian. And so then I, I think they've mentioned the East Blue at this point in the story at some point. Um, and so that's how you get, you, you only have two C's, but they're cut into four quotes, quote, uh, bl- quote, unquote, blues, uh, which are like the oceans, the four oceans. Um, because you can't just cross the Grand Line. I don't know if they haven't really established that in this volume, but it will become clear later. You can't just sail across the Grand Line. You can only access the Grand Line from a specific point. And so the Grand Line acts as kind of a the equivalent of another strip of land if you're in one of these main oceans. You can't sail through that. So that, that makes the oceans of this world cut into four quadrants. So that's why you get your four um, directional names for the oceans. The North Blue, the East Blue, the South Blue, and the West Blue. Now, this first big arc, the first uh, hundred chapters or so of One Piece all take place in um, the East Blue, and the entire rest of the series, like the next 900 chapters, are all on the Grand Line. Sorry, I'm giving you a little bit of spoilers here, but that's what we're dealing with. And so you occasionally hear about characters that came from, oh, this guy's from the North Blue, this guy's from the West Blue, this guy's from the South Blue, but we have never seen any of those places, and that's, that's kind of interesting. Anyway, the map of the world is going to be included in the zine. I'm going to put it in its own special segment. Very excited about it. Love maps. Love this map. Great stuff. Oda is a creative guy. Okay, so that, finally, we're here at next time on. Um, so next volume and, and going forward after this volume. So next time on number one, um, Luffy's unconscious. Kuro is going to lead his pirates and fucking attack and he wants to kill Kaya and and set himself up for life with her money he he you know Usopp is in danger the villagers are in danger Kaya could die um and Luffy's unconscious how are they gonna say stop this so that's you know that's the immediate next time on um and then secondly um you know they came Luffy Nami and Zolo came to this island to find a new ship and a new crew and they're not really on the trail of either, so what's what's going to happen with that? How's that going to wrap up? And I don't really have a third one this time, because we already went kind of hard on uh, what crew are Buggy and Shanks on, uh, that sort of that kind of stuff. How important is Shanks' crew in in this current world? Um, I guess those could both be next time ons, but you know, this 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 is an interesting volume. It had it had some really cool stuff in there. Like I love the flashback with with Shanks and Buggy. I like the world map reveal. But ultimately, I think just the the way the chapters fell um, with the very end of the buggy arc, which I find that fight kind of underwhelming, although it has its moments, obviously. And the setup of this this um, Usopp storyline, which I also is is definitely I think probably the the weakest of the of at least the first hundred chapters. Um, you know, the the East Blue arc, as it's called, has a bunch of sub arcs, and this this one with Kuro and the Black Cats and Usopp. I think is the weakest of any of them and we don't even get to the exciting part until just the very end so i think a bit of a weaker volume i thank you for sticking with me talking about it for you know half an hour or more i don't know how long this podcast is going to be so thank you very much for listening um i highly recommend you check out the zine you can see some of the cool animals and stuff and and my favorite art and covers um that's what goes in the zine but my to highlight the art the way i highlight the storyline and characters in this in these segments at the end here 
Um, the zine you can find, um, hopefully, in the podcast description. Um, let me know if it's not there for whatever reason or if that link is broken. But you can always find it also on the podcast Twitter. The podcast Twitter is at the One Piece Zone. And um, you could also follow me on Twitter at Alex Ron, at, excuse me. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Ron Johnston. And um, yeah, feel free to reach out to me if you are having trouble finding something or, or you just want to tell me uh, you listen to the show. Um, if you want to tell a friend about the show, it's much appreciated. If you uh, would like to rate and review us on the podcast distribution platform of your choice, iTunes, etc., um, I'd love that. Thanks. Um, next time, I'm hoping to get the next episode out on April 10th, two weeks from uh, two weeks from when I'm recording this, uh, April 10th. Um, but we'll we'll see. It's been bit up and down lately. Been busy and you know a lot going on despite it being a global pandemic. But hopefully April 10th, uh, we will have a new episode out covering Volume Four of One Piece: The Black Cat Pirates. Uh, so see you then. You are now the one piece of